All right. Hello? Sorry, I was muted because I'm eating. Back to the bin. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Back to the Bins. I'm Paul Spataro, and that mellifluous tone you hear in the background is Dr. Bill Robinson. Sorry, I just ate dinner. I'm a little gassy. And there's our soundbite for the day. <laughs> soundbite? Check. Um, so I don't want anybody to think we're changing our format. <laughs> You know, I, I think, you know, we're going to go back to the usual, you know, we each bring a book, we do a synopsis, and then we discuss it. But, you know, things get in the way, and we still want to put out shows for everybody. So we're going to do another book today where we give the pre-canned synopsis, and then from there we go through a page-by-page recitation of it. Uh, and, like everybody I said... Everybody can blame me, because I'm busy. Work. Well... Sorry. I, I, you know, I, I don't think there's blame to be doled out, you know... Once we start getting paid to do this, <laughs> then then you know then when you when you let us down, I'm going to be saying, hey, you know, I got I got mouths to feed you. But until they start paying us, I'm really just kind of you know we do what we can and we hope people are going to enjoy it. That's that's my way of looking at it. So mm-hmm. uh, I recently received in the mail from uh, our friend Socrates, Marvel Two and One Number One, which leaves me at needing only issue number five to complete that series. And I want to thank Socrates very, very much for that because it's really appreciated. And uh, I, I know he got it at a, at a good price, but just the same, the fact that he he, he bought it and sent it to me, it, it means a lot to me. Uh, and that could lead us right into our, uh, our pre-book discussion. And we, we had a little bit before we started recording here today is uh, I know – there was a whole big episode on Comics Monthly Monday about, you know, getting rid of books in our collections. And it just happens more through chance than anything else that I'm also paring down my collection. Uh, and books like the one Socrates sent to me are absolutely, you know, they go right into the, into the collection and it's no problem. Because as anybody who listens to us regularly knows, I'm a bronze, silver age lover. Uh, but most of my collection that's post sil- pro- excuse me post bronze age i'm going to be looking to put together some uh, packages and sell it on ebay uh, i guess putting together quite a few packages cuz it's going to be a, a good number of long boxes that i'm going to be divesting myself of so what i'm going to say is as much as i always appreciate when people send me stuff and it's been such a a cool aspect of doing this show is having you know perfect strangers reach out and actually become friends and then sending me stuff to, I guess, to thank me for doing the show. Uh, but I'm going to say, you know, like anything post Bronze Age, I still appreciate that you think of me and everything, but probably best not to send it to me because I just need to save the room in my house. And that's, you know, what I'm doing. So, I'm your Bronze Age lover. So I it, it, no, it's no idea who what song I'm singing, I have no but idea. I know Luke Jack and Eddie does, and the Hair Metal Hero does. But it's a strange situation to be in because I'm getting rid of a lot of my newer stuff and still collecting the older stuff at the same time. Mm. 
Yeah, well, you're not the only one that uh, um, has received a package. I got a package today in the mail from Mark Comback, and he actually sent me a copy of um, the Marvel special of uh, Conan the Barbarian, a book I didn't have, you know, the, the, the larger treasury, size. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, the larger size one, the cool. Marvel Super, or, yeah, not, not 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 the really big ones, but, you know. Not, not the, the treasury that, size. Right, right, so... Uh, he sent me that. Hold on. Um, I'm confused. Treasury sized or not treasury sized? Well, it's the magazine, like for oh. the graphic novels. That okay. size. So, so like the Savage Sword of Conan. Yeah, but it was for, it was for the Marvel, uh, adaptation of the movie. Okay. And right, inside, it took me a minute to know what you, which one you were talking okay. about. Okay. And inside it's got, um, you know, it's got some articles. It's got some pictures from the movie with Arnold mm-hmm. and stuff. So, so is uh, it a Marvel Super Special? Yes, yes, thank you. That was the word I was I was completely blanking. Yes, it is a Marvel su- Super Special. And he also included a bunch of um, uh, free comic book day books, uh, some of which I didn't have because when I – like one of the, la- the last two go-rounds, go I got to free co- comic book day late and there really wasn't anything there. So there's a different variety uh, of books in there. The only one I already had was uh, uh, another copy of, 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 of ROM is in there so um which i only have one or two and i think i owe you one don't i or do you, you already got one didn't you uh Somebody i don't know I, I don't know but uh based on what i was just saying i'd Keep say it, right? thank you anyway <laughs> <laughs> i appreciate it yeah it's okay but yeah i've uh so thank you again for that from mark oh and there was a lovely drawing of uh one of his sketches of like like a bust uh an headshot of of conan on on my um on my envelope too and i always save those that he sends me yeah it does, those are always very cool when mark sends stuff out and he does his little doodle on it yeah oh, you, you put a link then see if that's what uh yes that's exactly what it is conan the I, th- Barbarian. I think i have that i'd have to look in my uh magazines but i'm pretty sure i have that yeah so and on, but, on, on eBay, it's uh, got a buy it now price of twenty five dollars. Oh, jeez. Well, that's the one I found. I don't, you know, I don't know if that's what it's going for, but that's right. the buy it now price that it's listed for. Come on, I'm here. Buy me now. Come on. Buy it yeah, now. I'm, I am like somewhat uh, in the dark on how to sell stuff on eBay. Not so much the uh, the physical process of listing it and all of that, but. Knowing how much to list stuff for, you know, well, not what's, just the, that, what's the best way to get a bidding war going? Well, and you, if you don't, I mean, I don't really buy anything on eBay myself, but at one time we had looked into it, Jen had looked into like selling stuff and then you get in the whole thing about, you know, how many ratings do you have and do you really want to go with someone that's so, it's like, like you create a new eBay account and start from scratch I mean, it might be better, like we were discussing, to get with someone who already has an established eBay account, like that's Scott. Actually, that's actually my plan. I have uh, yes, yes, I have my eBay buddy already lined up, and he's he's perfectly willing to help me out. Uh, the biggest problem I have with him so far is that he's said he will not accept any uh, any payback on it, and if he's going to do part of the work, I have to. We, mm. We're going to we're going to come to blows on that one. I just take him to dinner a few times when he's got a cookout. Just go over there and buy him some food. That's that's actually was my suggestion was that uh, I'll, I'll treat him and his wife for dinner. So uh, he didn't seem totally opposed to that idea. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you're I've um, you know, I've you're in the process of getting rid of your long boxes, which I did that 
I divested myself of every single long box. I think I got rid of the last one about two or three years ago because, like, like we were saying, it's tough on your back. Yeah, <laughs> just lifting up that much stuff. It, it makes it honestly makes it. Even though I have, I ha- you've you've seen my my setup. I have shelves, yes, so that each yes. book is on a shelf, each box is on a shelf. So it's really not that difficult to get to any one box, right? But the long boxes make me want to get them less. <laughs> yes, yes. You know, in, well, in short in short boxes, I'll be much quicker to say, "Oh, let me pull the book." Well, yeah, I finally got each individual box on the shelf in my garage, and it's so much easier to get to a box now. Obviously. Um, I know Scott has stacks of long boxes, and uh, and I, I remember when I used to do that too, and I I despise that now. It's just so annoying. Oh, oh I got to go I, three boxes down, and oh, I got to yeah. move all this crap. You know, screw that. Yeah, no, that that's that's just you know that's a younger man's game. Yeah, so <laughs> I can't do that anymore. I'm looking to get as I go through. I'm looking to get rid of some stuff. Um, I don't. Uh, I haven't decided exactly what yet. I think it's going to be some 90s stuff that I don't really – it's going to be some DC and maybe some independence just because I don't have enough vested – like it's like if – okay, if there's three, 400 issues in, in this run and I've got 25 of them and it's only because I just accumulated them from absorbing things here and there, why am I holding on to it? Why is it here? So uh, – or uh, one, one – um, I'm thinking of maybe – all my daredevils getting rid of those, which I do have a lot of, but I haven't quite decided. I don't know if I just want to get rid of some, maybe keep a few like the John Romita Jr. stuff and the Frank Miller. That I don't know yet. That mm-hmm. I, I, that's, I and I haven't had time to sit down and go through them or even find them for that matter since the hurricane and I had to crazily bag every box to seal it up. And now I've been going through and reopening them and trying to catalog them using that app app that I have the uh, the collectors app. So. I didn't have many Daredevils in the say pre pre issue 100 of the original run. Mm-hmm. I think I only had maybe like four or five. And for whatever reason, like in the last year and a half, when I've gone to conventions and places, uh, I've probably gotten about 15 more of those. Like mm. you know, in the under 100 uh, numbering. So I, okay. I've become a little bit more Daredevil oriented. If nothing else, just because I've chanced into very well-priced earlier books well uh i'm sure i can probably swing some your way because i think i have some pre-100s so yeah well before i I start (laughs) before i start listing uh what i have we will exchange lists and you can uh you can you can cherry pick some stuff out of mine see this is what happens when you do a podcast with someone listeners you get to get free comic books from your podcasting partners that's right we're just shuffling crap around <laughs> your wife will be ma- will be happy with you for what you send to me and mad at you for what I send to you what is this what what is this you just got rid of some of these what do you mean you're getting more in and the, yeah I mean I have some good issues that are going into the to sell box. Only because there's some issues that I have doubles of, and I don't yeah, really I got see the point in keeping doubles. The only going through stuff so far, the only two doubles I kept were I have a double of Spider-Man 154, I think it is, where he's fighting the Sandman, and one of them is signed by John Romita Sr. So I kept both, and I have two copies of Giant Size Superstars number one, and one of them signed by Rich Buckler. So I kept them both. But otherwise, I would have even put those duplicates in the to-sell boxes. You still with me, Bill? Yeah. No, I'm here. I'm here. 
Yeah, I, I don't know why, you know, there's certain books, I don't even know why I have duplicates of them. Some 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 I, got I purposely a bunch of did duplicate Avengers that I'm like, how did I get two of these? Yeah, some I did on purpose because I thought, oh, this is going to be a valuable book or whatever, and some mm. of them just was, you know, I bought it and didn't realize I already had one, or somebody gave it to me and didn't realize I already had one. Most of, most of the duplicates that I've, I've accumulated in the last couple of years, I just put in. Matthew's got two short boxes in his room, so I just when he's not even looking, I just go over and stick them in there. Yeah, I have two of these. You could have it. I don't even know if he has any idea what he has. Anyways, that's our, our divesting ourselves of newer book stories. And from there, we'll segue right into the newest old book in my collection, which is Marvel 2-in-1, number one, from January of 1974. Now, it's number one of this series, but it's actually number three. Do you know why? Uh, yeah, because uh, it had started in, what, Marvel Premiere or something first? Mar- Marvel, Marvel Feature, Pre- issues Marvel 11 Feature. and 12. Issue 11 was uh, the thing in the Hulk, and issue 12 was the thing in Iron Man. And then this followed that immediately. In fact, this story picks up right where that left off. Mm. So it's it's number one, but it's not number one. <laughs> but just anybody who's wondering, because I'm sure everybody's just riveted to this to their seats, uh, wondering what's in my collection. Uh, when I said the only issue I need is number five, that includes that because I have more, I have every issue of Marvel feature as well. Anyways, oh. uh, again, it was January 1974. The cover was drawn by Gil Kane, and we'll describe that in a moment. The story is written by Steve Gerber, penciled by Gil Kane, inked by Joe Sinnott, colored by George Russos, lettered by Gene Izzo, and edited by Roy Thomas. And the cover... I got to tell you, I'm going I'm to come out on my, on on my. Uh, I'm going to give up my rating on this right off the bat. I think this is like a nearly perfect cover, in my opinion. It's drawn mm-hmm. by Gil Kane. It's the thing fighting the man thing, and he's actually punching through the man Ouch. thing. I think they're both drawn exceptionally well. Uh, and then in the back, you know, the ground is all. Uh, Uneven. Uneven and broken up because of, of them fighting. Uh, you can see there's like a wrecked car off to the side. There's people running away. So there's a lot of activity going on. And like I said, I just think they're both drawn exceptionally well. So uh, I, I think this is just a great cover. It says, Monster versus Monster, while a world trembles. And I don't think anybody inked Gil Kane on this. I think this is just him. Because there's no one credited as inking it unless it's Joe Sinnott, like in the interiors. Mm. So the synopsis of the story is as follows. The Thing, still trying to get home, which is the continuation of his story from Marvel Feature number 12 with Iron Man, sees a magazine cover featuring the Man-Thing in a small town bus station. Upset by the similarity of his and Man-Thing's names, he Mm. decides to travel to Florida instead of New York. The Molecule Man, confined to his other-dimensional prison, tells his son to avenge him by destroying the Fantastic Four, and then apparently dies. The Construct then undergoes a process similar to that which gave Molecule Man his powers. He attempts to teleport to New York City, but instead appears in the Florida Everglades, face-to-face with the Man-Thing. The Thing arrives and is surprised to see the Molecule Man. He charges the villain, but the Molecule Man uses his wand to transform both the Thing and the Man-Thing, back into their human forms. The two men are believed to be human again, but realize that they must still stop the Molecule Man before he fulfills his vow to destroy the entire Fantastic Four. By the time they catch up to him, the Molecule Man has reached the nearby town of Citrusville and is wreaking havoc with the powers of his wand. 
He even turns an innocent pedestrian into a likeness of Mr. Fantastic and kills him. Yeah. The Molecule Man notices that Ben Grimm and Ted Salas seem more compassionate and driven to stop him in their human form than in their more monstrous forms, so he transforms them back to the way they were before. It is his wish to see the two destroy each other. The Thing punches his fist through the Man-Thing's body and withdraws a fistful of muck. He, he hurls the slime at the Molecule Man, striking his wand. The cosmic device flies from his hand and rolls through some cracks in the wreckage. As the wand is the reservoir for his power, the Molecule Man desperately tries to retrieve it. His power levels are quickly depleted, his life essence drains away. After the co construct dies, the Thing recovers the Molecule Man's wand. While the Man-Thing instinctively begins lumbering back to the swamp, the Thing hands the now powerless device to a nearby child. You mean Perdegaton? Yeah. <laughs> So, let's, I guess we should just, I was going to start making some points on it, but I think we're better off if we go through a page by page and make our points as we're doing that. So, we already discussed the cover, or I described the cover at least, we, we didn't get your opinion on that, but I guess we'll save that for the end? Yeah, sure, we can, okay. yeah. And we'll get right into the story, and right off the bat, kind of interesting on the splash page to see Gil Kane's artwork as inked by Joe Sinnott. You know, Joe Sinnott, I'm used to seeing his his inking on Kirby, and I'm used to seeing his inking on uh, Rich Buckler, or even George Perez when he was doing the Fantastic Four. But to see it on uh, Gil Kane is just, it's it's interesting, and at least in the splash page, it's striking. I think it looks really mm -hmm. good. And it, it opens up with, you know, the thing, I guess he's got the, is it, is it, I, I don't know if it's the New York Times, it just says the Times. It just says Times. And uh, he's he's looking at the paper, and it's got a, a color picture of the man thing on the cover. I, I don't think they really did color newspapers back in the 1970s. Yeah, yeah. And well, he, well, go ahead. In that splash, is there somebody hanging from something, or is that a pair of boots on the to the left of the thing? I think it's it's yeah, I think it's a pair of boots. Yeah, it's just kind of like yeah, it's a little bit it, strange. It, it's it's the splash page actually has three small panels at the top, and then a much larger picture just underneath it. And the three small panels have the thing and, and the magazine or the newspaper, uh, you know, getting all annoyed. He says, uh, what does he say? Like, it's, like it ain't bad enough just being the thing. This bug-eyed mudball's got to come along and rip off my name. And, and, and first of all, it's almost comical that he'd be that upset that they're calling him the man thing. Uh, I guess he wants he, to be a man, not just the thing. He wants to be the man thing. I'm the man thing, baby. But he's, he's in like a general store, and there's a potbelly stove, and there's uh, some vegetables, and there's a place to buy bus tickets. And he's he's actually breaking up the part of the counter because he punches mm -hmm. down on it. But all the way to the upper left, there's a pair of boots hanging, and you just see the, you know, from like midway on the boot down. So yeah. it, looks, it almost looks as if there's somebody being hung there. <laughs> so Yeah, this is where he... He's yelling at the guy about, you know, hey, you sold me this, and this guy's trying to steal my name. So he decides to change his bus his bus ticket. Now, where is he at right now? I don't remember exactly. Well, I, he says something about uh, New Mexico at the bottom of the second page. I don't know if that's if that's where he is, but he he was in in some sort of like a desert area. In, oh, okay. In the last issue. And then uh, he wanted Iron Man to fly him back, but Iron Man said, he "Oh yeah, he's in Devil's he Tongue, New Mexico." He didn't have enough energy to to do that, so he had to leave him there to find his own way back. That's where this story just picks up, right where that one left off. Yeah, he's really messed up that 
shopkeeper. The guy's all like, Aah. yeah, it, it's really just you know for a guy who's kind of supposed to be a hero, not even supposed to be a hero, a guy who is a hero. He he seems awful uh, inconsiderate of that man's life's work. Yeah, and then everybody in the bus is terrified of him too. But hey, he's that's because he's the thing. <laughs> yeah, I really like on on the first panel on the bus. I really like the the guy who's sitting in front of him, mm-hmm. obviously terrified. Mm-hmm. What a wonderful bus trip that's that had to be. And then we have we have a quick flashback to the thing fighting the Hulk, which was in Marvel Feature Eleven, and then the thing and Iron Man who teamed up to fight the Blood Brothers in Marvel Feature number twelve. I think that was the first appearance of the Blood Brothers. Hmm. And then he's he's leaning back on that bus and I would think that seat would break. <laughs> okay, then we cut from the bus to uh whatever dimension the Molecule Man is in. I don't remember how Fantastic Four number 20 ended, but I I think Steve Gerber kind of got everything wrong here. I don't, I, don't think, uh, I don't think the Molecule Man had a son. I don't think he was in another dimension. I'm not sure. And then he just drops dead. But I, I don't think that's actual... I, I think it's a retcon that eventually got re-retconned away. After re-re-retconning the retcon. Then the uh, son of the uh, Molecule Man puts himself through some sort of a, uh, uh, a machine. Maker pro- machine. Yeah, process to turn himself into Molecule Man. And we see, uh, you know, Gil Kane's version of uh, Kirby Tech and Kirby Crackle. Mm, it's interesting. It's like the one, the full body shot when he's uh, at the bottom of page seven. Uh, mm-hmm. the art, you know. And then he gets the uh, the scars on his face, the little snoring lines, yeah, the little Z's. Before going in, he's he's lamenting his father's dying. Says he should have been the king, the monarch of the universe, but he dies instead, an exile, a man without a world. But the tale must not end here. The Fantastic Four must die, even more ignobly. And he, that's when he goes and he puts himself through the process to get the molecule man power, and. Uh, I can't say you know you have the you have the ability to manipulate all molecules and that's the costume you pick for yourself. It's it's, it's like a, a magic Mike reject. <laughs> he's he's wearing a a pair of like green kind of green and flesh tone boots. Nothing just a, a green speedo. Uh, like a, big lightning a, a bolt, double, double lightning v. bolt causing creating a V over his chest, pointing right to his crotch. And some uh, so, some bris- uh, wrist bracelets. And that's it. That's all he's got on. Looks like he's got the Nega Bands. <laughs> yeah, Nega Bands with, like, big big bejeweled Nega, Nega Bands. Yeah. And, uh, and of course, he's got to have his wand overcompensating mm-hmm. much. Oh. And then uh, one by one, the Fantastic Four will... Oops. <laughs> Give me a minute. <laughs> Hang on for a minute. Paul's answering his phone because the phone rang and it is Indiana Jones on the uh, on the uh, on the other end. He's got a call from Doctor Jones, so he's got to go go, and I have got to stretch the show. So I'll vamp while he's on the phone. I keep you busy. With my melodic tones, making up words as I go. Go, 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 go
go, 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 go. You know, when I was a kid once, uh, I tried to st- I, I was late to the bus and I was going to stay home from school. And I turned on the TV and it was the tail end of uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. And they started to play the Indiana Jones March, whatever, there at the end. And I was like, Mom, get up. Take me to school. And it actually motivated me to go to school that day. So, yeah, that's uh, real life with Dr. Bill when Paul's not around. So, this is the Peter Frampton version. That's the Charlie Brown version. Yes, ma'am. Oh. I'm running out of I'm running out of bits, kibbles and bits, kibbles and bits. I want more kibbles and bits, and I am officially out of gas. Well, maybe. Well, never mind. I'll just you know too much information. So, ah, let's see what else is going on. Um, hmm, hmm. Free comic book day is coming up in a month. Of course, when this comes out, who knows uh, when this will come out. So it may have already happened. So that sentence was pointless. I don't even know if anybody's even going to hear this. Ramblings of a crazy man talking to himself on Skype. Sorry. Oh, oh, no. You saved everybody from me reading a poem. So so the uh, new Molecule Man is swearing vengeance and he transports himself. Now, why, why does he bring himself to the Everglades? I can pretty much answer that for you because if I remember correctly, although it's not listed here, but being this is Steve Gerber, um, this is the nexus, the nexus of, of all realities. Realities. Right? That's why he came here. I bet you. Okay. Because and that makes that makes sense. And and that was a big Steve Gerber thing too, wasn't it? Because that's where the man thing hangs out. Is at the nexus too. Right. So it just makes sense that he would pop up. This would be one entrance point that he could pop up at. So. So he, he appears in, in the Everglades and immediately uh, is confronted by the Man-Thing. And he's shocked and he drops his wand and he starts to uh, to wither. He, grow, he says, I'm aging, growing ancient in mere seconds. I'll die, I'll turn to dust unless the wand... And he grabs the wand and then reverses the process and he becomes young again. Yes, so that, if only we could all do that. Oh. If only if the Man-Thing had grabbed him during that time, because as you know, all things that know fear... Burn at the touch of the man thing, so he would have been a he would have been burned to a crisp right then. But uh, he, you know, he calms down. He looks at the man thing and he turns around and walks away with his cool magic magic outfit and his magic wand. And then we uh, we cut from there to the bus with the thing, and uh, the thing decides he wants to get off, like in the middle of a bridge. With a giant pot plants growing down, but then uh, those are actually palmetto bushes. I don't think there's any large bridges like that. I've been to, I've been down by the Everglades. There are no large bridges, like trestle-type bridges like that down there. It's all pretty much flat, as far as the eye can see. Uh, Yeah, that's, uh, yeah. 
Yeah, well, he decides he wants to get out, and I'm not exactly sure why the thing wants to get out there. It's a feeling. But uh, the, the bus driver says, that, you know, next stop isn't for 40 miles. And uh, so, and then, you know, again, being the curmudgeon that he is in this issue, he threatens the bus driver who lets him off. And then he jumps off of the uh, the bridge. Thwuk is the sound he makes when he lands. Landing with a thwuk. He probably right by the Molecule The Molecule man. man. Isn't that convenient? Convenient. It is I, the son of the Molecule Man. Son of a... <laughs> so you know the thing goes to attack him. He creates a, uh, I guess, a plexiglass, or, or is that a invisible uh, aluminum? Uh, Not invisible. Yeah, transparent, what, aluminum. transparent aluminum shield. How do we know that he didn't invent it? <laughs> but then, what? But while he's doing that, the man thing comes up from behind him and grabs him by the neck and throws him. It's kind of a cool <laughs> moment. Stop! I warn you, ogre. I have the power to destroy you. <laughs> So he, he uses his 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 uh, wand to change the uh, the concrete trestle into a soft foamy cushiony substance. And as soon as he did that, the entire bridge collapsed and everybody yeah, on it was killed. That's what I was thinking. Was <laughs> if you if you did that, it would just immediately fall on you because it wouldn't be strong enough to now support the weight that it has. Yeah, but he did it real quick. So yeah, yeah, uh-huh. that's it. And he sends, yeah. he bounces harmlessly into the water. And then he, he transforms the uh, the two of them into their human uh, versions. Now, I understand, you know, the, the thing is wearing his, you know, trunks. And when he turns into Ben Grimm, he's still wearing the trunks. But the man thing, I'm pretty sure he doesn't have any clothes on. And, uh, to, and yet when he turns him into Ted Salas, he's wearing, you know, his little uh, safari, safari outfit. outfit. Yeah. But we read the Ted Salas story, didn't we? Yes. What, in that black and white, was he in cl- wearing clothes when he was transformed? Did he I, assume, I assume. Fire? Wa- Shut up! Oh my god! <laughs> I, I assume he was, but I would think it would like just burned off of him. I don't think. Uh, I don't think it was just absorbed into the muckiness. I don't know. Mm. Well, they couldn't have a naked man thing. So, so, so after converting them back into their human forms, he just transports himself somewhere. Poof. And then uh, the thing and Ted Salas get to uh, swap stories. Yeah, you were ugly to me. No, I was uglier. No, you're fair. And they just go walking off into town. So it was the tiny town of Citrusville, Florida. Now, uh, I, you know, I don't live in Florida like you. Is there a town called Citrusville? Well, there that you're aware of. <laughs> I don't know. There's there's Titusville, which when I was a kid, I thought it was Titusville. <laughs> I was watching the Jerry Lewis Labor Day thon, and they were showing like all the local numbers, and it said Titusville. And I went, "Nana, look, Titusville!" And she's like, "No, Billy, that's Titusville." I'm like, oh, but uh, I don't think there's a Citrusville, but I wouldn't doubt that there could be. I will look that up real quick. Citrusville. Oh, Citrusville, Florida. Look at that. Citrusville, Florida. Oh, well, so wait, they, it's they, a they, fictional town in Florida near the forest of the other grades. Well, I guess it's not a real place. So okay. there we go. Well, you know, it's interesting, though, because the, uh, the Molecule Man transported away, but then the next panel they show him, he's saying that the wand seems to have malfunctioned. Uh, no matter how much energy I channel through it, it won't, t- it won't teleport me past, past the, the edge, edge of, the, of swamp. the swamp. Yeah. So that goes back. Oh, to, and it says, no, the, the malfunction is not in the wand, but in the swamp. For here at the nexus of mystic forces... The laws of science off go awry as in the accident that birthed the man thing himself. There we go. 
Steve and, Gerber. And what's so. cool is it's it's a Steve Gerber note, not an editor's note. Right. Right. So the two of them walk off into town, and when they uh, <laughs> when the, when they get there, the uh, molecule man is he's actually like having the sidewalk transport him kind of like one of Iceman's ice bridges. Yeah, and tearing up the town in a process, which would go along with the cover. Mm. Yeah, well, they have the wreckage behind them that they're fighting. Uh, oh, you know, and you know what? Wait a minute. You know what? There, for the for longest time, well, there was a, the Molecule Man couldn't affect living matter. Um, at least the original, uh, what was it, Owen Reese? Is that He's, the original? I don't know if Owen Reese, I don't because the story gets uh, convoluted. Uh, they definitely changed the character. Well, because we're going to see lot. he's going to tra- transform a guy into Mr. Fantastic and stretch him apart and kill him. Yeah. So this Molecule Man has the ability to control living, um, living, mo- you know, all He'll, molecules. I, I don't think Steve Gerber did any research into the character. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's what I think I'm. That's what I'm concluding on this one. But uh, anyway, anyway, yeah, they they see him doing his thing and. Uh, he does it. He actually does it to torture, mentally torture Ben, because he's like, "Watch Ben Grimm. We'll begin with this nobody, and make him make him over into the image of your closest friend, Reed Richards, Mister Fantastic, leader of the Fantastic Four, the man Mr. who Fantastic. wrecked my father's life." Lover, lover. Yeah. And the guy's saying, "No, no, please let me be. I ain't done nothing to hurt you, Mister." And then he stretches him, and you, you know the, the guy's letting out like a scream of agony, and then. Is, what did he you know, do? Did his head explode? What, ha- what happened this there? Is Richard Bod- Richard's body is like an elastic band, isn't it, Grim? It stretches. But also, like like elastic, it has its limits beyond which there lies only pain and torment and, of course, finally, death. The one, the one state of matter even I cannot alter, you see. And the guy just falls to the ground dead. Oof. He does indeed see as the sight fills him with revulsion and hatred and this and a passion to make this demon die. And, I mean, that's you, you didn't see too many people like actually committing murder in those days. And this was approved by the Comics Code, and they even have like at way up after he's stretching, they colored the, they colored the like it looks like a like an explosion, but it's kind of red, yeah. so you could be implied that it's could be like, blood, blood. But but when he transforms back to uh, when he falls back to the ground, there's no blood, so. Well, I can see the comics code is only going to approve so much. Yeah. So then yeah. Uh, Ben says, you know, you just killed an innocent Joe for nothing except feed to feed your ego. What kind of scum are you? I'm surprised they used the word scum as much as they did. But uh, <laughs> the molecule man uh, decides, I do not like you this way. Your human form in your in your human form, there's a quality of nobility about you that troubles me. I prefer you as an or- the orange-skinned buffoon. So he turns him back into the thing, but then puts like giant uh, chains and, and concrete blocks on his legs, which he breaks out of. Yeah, and then uh, the Ted Salas tries to hold him back, cause, and he says, you know, he's trying to toy with you, uh, you know, that he can't be beaten by brute force. And the thing kind of throws Salas to the side, and uh, the molecule man says, "Gentlemen, you've given me an inspiration," and he converts Ted Salas back into the man thing. And we, we we get the scene from the cover. Mm-hmm. The thing throws a punch and it goes right through uh, the abdomen of the man of the man thing coming out of the back. Well, the man thing attacks because the last thing he remembers was being thrown to the ground by this rock person. So mm-hmm. you know that's why it's, it's get it on. Yeah, because the the man thing has just kind of like a 
semblance of thought. Not quite, you know, real thought, but he's just mostly instinctive. <laughs> at least at this point. Eventually they had him so that he could speak. But apparently Ben does not have fear. At least no, not it's, which is, which is kind of, I think that's <clears throat> a correct characterization. He wouldn't. Yeah. So he's, he's got a handful of sludge after trying to punch through the uh, man thing. And uh, the molecule man is laughing at him and he throws the sludge at him and knocks the wand out of his hand. He says, I can't lose the wand. My very life depends upon it. With one witless, unaimed toss, you may have doomed me, you fool. What do you mean, unaimed? I aimed, all right, at your ugly kisser. <laughs> I just missed, I just, that's all. He says, you laugh, you joke, you make a mockery of me, even as my flesh grows brittle and withered, even as I waste away before you. Shucks, you've you done the same for me. Think nothing of it. Besides, you don't want a monster's pity, do you? He says, I want the wand. I want to live. That's what I, I want. I want to live. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Help me, please. It mustn't end like this. And yeah. as he, as the last three panels that they show him in, they show like his withered hand reaching for the wand. Then they show bones, and then they show dust. Mm. And I'm a little surprised that the thing just goes over and picks up the wand so thoughtlessly at that point. Like he doesn't have any fear for what the repercussions might be. I mean, because clearly it's powerful. Well, and, but he picks he it up and he done... wants to turn. He wants to turn himself and the man thing back to the human forms again. I'm wondering what would have happened if he just took it and snapped it in two. Yeah, I'm thinking it could be like an explosion or something. Right. I mean, but it's pretty. He should have just held on to it and took it back to Reed. Yeah, that have. that would make sense. But instead, he tries to to use it to change them back to their human forms. He's unsuccessful, and he just hands it to some uh, little Alfred E. Newman kid. Little kid with red hair, per Degaton from DC. See, yeah. Back to no Perdigaton. No good deed goes unpunished. <laughs> look what, hey, Mom, Dad, look. What, look what the brick man gave me. Look it. I'm king of the universe, master of the world. Wee! And thus was born Leonardo DiCaprio. No. <laughs> now, if they had shown him getting the little scars on his face in the last panel, that would have been cool. Ooh. Ooh would have been very would, foreboding. Yeah. Ooh, that, yeah. That would have been cool. But they didn't. Mm. It just says, next, Submariner. As his freckles transform into scars. <laughs> so, this is, you know, I, I read this, I think the next issue with the Submariner was the first issue I bought when I started collecting. And then this one I had gotten as a uh, as a back issue, you know, month old or whatever. Uh, and then, for whatever reason, I didn't have it, and thanks to Socrates, I do again, uh, but I really like this one. I, I like the story. I, like again, I think it's kind of messed up as far as uh, the Molecule Man, his power set, and, and his history. But I still think it's pretty cool. Mm. I've I've been on a Marvel two two and one kick lately myself. I started to go back. Um, we'll go back. We gotta go back. We gotta go back, Kate. Oh, sorry. I need to do a lost rewatch. Anyway, um, so I've been trying to get the Marvel two and ones. I think I need about sixty or. Uh, about 60 issues right now. All right, so, that's, uh, so you got you got a good good number to get because there well, were only, actually, I know there were only 100 them, issues. All for two bucks a piece. I just have been saving up my money and um, it's like way over. Uh, actually, it's over where I've been working this past week, but I'm not going to go there till Friday because I'll have another 35 bucks in my uh, in that the uh, the checking account that Jen doesn't know about <laughs> uh, where I siphon off money for books. So. I might be able to knock off a bunch of uh, bunch of issues when I when I go over there. But yeah, it's I think it's the one I told told you about. It's like over in downtown Bartow. It's uh, um, he's like he's got a ton of books just for two dollars a piece, 
and there's all all kinds of Marvel too, too uh, of uh, I mean I number one's not in there but there's but there's a lot of books in there I picked up a lot of defenders and, and stuff Look, you see number five for two two bucks pick it up for me oh yeah yeah and it, it, I mean what is it you usually go for what do you mean what do I go for like 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 what is like if I see it like what would a normal price be obviously not where some other stores we went to well, see, down here that were kind of high like thirty. 40 bucks. Yeah, I'm, I'm usually, I'm honestly, I'm usually looking in the $2 range for my bronze issues. Oh, okay. Uh, but, you know, something like that, it's, it's the last one I need to finish the collection, and it's one of the earlier ones. I, I And I make it sound like I'm a big sport. I'd probably do like 5 bucks on it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, which I will definitely the, keep an eye which out. Which is about that. the price of a new book. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> I shouldn't act like it's such a big deal. But, you know, I... I I definitely got spoiled the last two years when I was at a New York Comic Con and they had uh, several tables of dealers that had, you know, books of that ilk and they were, you know, all their books were $2. And I, I came home with a lot of my, you know, a lot of my Bronze Age want list books, you know. I mean, I have an awful lot on my list, so it wasn't like I, I completed it, but I got a lot, you know, I, I walked home with a big bag of books and, you know, right. they were all two bucks each. Well, you know, speaking of new books, just this past week, our episode came out where we covered the new Marvel 2 and 1 number 1 and I don't think we've mentioned on any shows yet that the Fantastic 4 are coming back to Marvel Comics mm-hmm. with a book. It it'll spin out of the Marvel 2 and 1. I don't know if Marvel 2 and 1 is going to continue as its own book and then there'll be another Fantastic 4 book or if it's Marvel 2 and 1 is going to end. Uh, that I'm not up on but uh, but uh, the Fantastic 4 are returning. Gee, amazing and that's right after this deal is supposedly still in the works to sell the you know stuff back to Marvel. Hmm, coincidence. Hmm. So. Anyways, uh, you want to rate this? Uh, well, it's your book. You want to rate first, or All right. uh, so? I like I said, I, I think it's an almost perfect cover. Uh, I'm gonna give it an. I'm I'm torn between an A or an A plus, but I'm just gonna say an A. I think it's almost perfect. I don't know if it's if it's quite perfect. Um, the interior art. It's it's got a lot of Gil Kane-ish moments, but I like the way Joe Sinnott's inks make the thing look in it. Um, pretty solid. I, I you know the storytelling I think is impeccable, uh, and the uh, the pacing is good. The images are, are pretty cool. The emotions on the people's faces is quality. I'm gonna say an A minus on the interior art for me, and the story. Even though I don't think it paid attention too much to continuity. I just think it was a, a, a fun story overall, and I'm gonna say I'm gonna say a B on the story, and overall I'll give the book an A minus. Mm. Uh, the cover that, that's a really powerful picture of the thing. I mean, even though it's a static image, it's conveying so much motion. With you know, with they've got the swipe line coming back from you know where his fist obviously was traveling. And it's gone through, and then you've got the back of the man thing blowing out with you know muck and stuff, and yeah. So I'm I'm going to give the cover I'm going to give it an A, and uh, the interior art, um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's good. There's no you know ma- major. I mean, there's for the time there's there's enough detail in a lot of the backgrounds. Um, I like that whole other place that you know like like the space look or what are those space weeds and that mm-hmm. other yeah there's like weeds that look like it it was just a nice touch they didn't have to put anything but there's these weird looking plants it's like it's like a lot of little things that were put in and then the 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 gil kane take on the on the kirby crackle 
uh, is good. Uh, the swamp stuff looks pretty good, although, I mean, well, I guess there are parts of the swamp that down there that do look like that. Um, but yeah, there's no giant bridges in the Everglades. Not that high. But um, um, I'm going to give the art an A. And the story, it's kind of funny because on one hand, Steve Gerber took the time to reference the stuff with the swamp and about the nexus of realities, but yet he didn't seem to really follow up on the true origin or, or you know, get some details about the Molecule Man. Now, it could be because I believe, because he's been writing books that deal with the nexus, because it wasn't Howard the Duck involved, and it wasn't he, he was mm-hmm. writing, doing the man thing as well, right? So, I mean, so, but he's referencing his own stuff, but didn't want to really check on somebody else's. And you think maybe the editor, uh, who was the editor? Well, Roy, 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 Roy Thomas was the editor. You think maybe he would have said something about that, but who knows? The amount of books they're putting out, then, you know, it's like, yeah, 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 looks good. Get it out there. Uh, so yeah, I think a, uh, B plus on the story. So I think I'm about the same spot you are. It's an A book. Hey. So I, I, uh, I know we're doing a short episode tonight, and I don't, I don't necessarily apologize for doing a short episode, but uh, I just want to throw in one piece of email because it's from Socrates. Oh, so do I we just, have some email? I just think it's cool to do one by Socrates since this is a book that was sent to me by Socrates. It says, good morning, back to the bins. I've got a question about comic supplies, and since we're in the process of cleaning mm. up our collections, I think it's timely as well. I'm close to having everything in long boxes with the exception of what I think should be more accessible to my boys. I've got a little over 20 long boxes. I was thinking of bagging and boarding everything in the long boxes, but the boards alone will lower the amount of comics per long box. I'm thinking of boarding every other comic to save space while still providing support. What do you think? Uh, mm. Best regards, Socrates S. Alvarez the third. I think that will probably serve the purpose you're hoping for, but I don't know. I, I don't I, think I, you're really going to get as... I mean, yeah, I mean, I see... I used to bag and I used to double bag until I realized that one side of the cardboard wasn't treated like mm-hmm. on some. I had no idea about that and then that I was actually probably doing damage to my books. But I used to put one in the front and one in the back just to save on the cost of bags and boards. Um, but I guess if you do every other one, it would give it. It'll, the, it'll hold them in, a, in an upright position as long as there's enough in there to keep them from slumping. Uh, and you will so, be saving. I mean, because it's what it's isn't it like ten bucks for like a hundred um, bags and ten bucks for a hundred boards? I think I pay I mean, like eight. I think I pay like eight for each. Well, I was thinking like nine ninety nine. So I mean, that that's. I guess it depends on like how like like if you want to buy in bulk, you can usually get a better deal too. Like, hey, you know, I'm gonna buy. You know, how about we knock these knock a dollar off each one, and I'll and I'll get ten of these or something. Yeah, I mean, that's I have usually no what I do when I buy a lot. On them. So. I know I recently went through and like rebagged all, all, all my Avengers because I still had I had the books that were in bags had been in the same bag for 20 25 years so I went through and rebagged the whole collection with newer um, bags and boards just com- just completely well, chucked the old ones. I have the same thing. I have books that have been in bags for 40 years, but <laughs> I know it's not the best thing in the world, but I just can't go out and buy thousands of bags now and replace them. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's just gonna, they're going to be what they're going to be. You know, like the, the book Socrates sent me is, you know, it's not a pristine copy. It's a little beat up in parts, but it serves my purposes. Mm-hmm. And I'd say there's a significant number of books in my collection that would have the same exact description to them. You know, I'd rather everything was in mint condition, but, you know, there's – first of all, I can't afford to buy books in mint condition often. Uh, and second of all, you know, 
that's what happens to them. You read them, they don't, you know, they, they don't hold up as well. What can you do? Uh, but yeah, you know, like I said, I, I have all my books boarded, but if you, uh, you know, if you do that, I, I think it would work. Mm-hmm. So good luck with it, Socrates. And thank you again for sending me this book. I really, really appreciate it. And I guess that's going to do it for this week's show. We did a short one, Bill. A short one. A mere, no, we've only even been on Skype for an hour. So this is probably a 45 minute show, I think. 50 minute. Yeah, because we talked for a while before we started recording, too. If, yeah, if you take out all my, my babbling, it'll be even shorter. <laughs> well, it is what it is. You know, but we, you know, I, I pride myself on the fact that we get an episode out every week. Mm. So this, this helps too with that. Uh, I don't think we sold the analysis of this book short. We just did an analysis of one book. That's, that's the reason it's such a short episode. Yeah. Yeah. So, but you know, we'll, we'll get back to the usual format and have multiple books. But you know, I, I think we, we're doing kind of an ever changing format. It's, we're not static. Stay on format. Stay <laughs> on format. Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at backtothebins at gmail.com or by joining the Back to the Bins group on Facebook. Back to the Bins is a proud affiliate of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is a registered trademark of Demanzo Corps of Milan, Italy, all rights reserved. Each and every month, the Two True Freaks Network produces dozens of new and exciting episodes which regularly reach tens of thousands of loyal listeners worldwide. Sponsorship and or advertising opportunities are available. Inquiries may be made via email to two true freaks at gmail.com. Please take a moment to stop by the two true site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week. Oh, sorry, I was eating a Pop Tart. <laughs> <laughs>